show number 128 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Oh, fuck yes. I just love it when he swears. <laughs> no, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Good. I know, so good. I know, and I think that you know how we have topics in the show like Bill is everywhere mm-hmm. and Bill Shills. I think oh fuck yes has to be a new topic, and maybe we only use it for like the weirdest shit or something. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, I think that's good. So in our first segment, is it oh fuck yes or oh fuck yeah? It's oh fuck yes. I believe. Okay, okay. So in our first segment of oh fuck yes, <laughs> we are going. To um to visit Mike Sterling, yay Mike Sterling, who who sent us this, and he got it from a website that's about celebrities and UFOs. Oh, cool! And oh, there's a picture of Bill smoking a cigarette, looking very James Dean there. Yes, and I want to first read you what Mike says about it. Um, this is from Saga's UFO Report, summer 1974, in an article entitled Celebrities and USOs. Bonus, picture shows Bill holding a cigarette in his typically unnatural fashion. <laughs> so he has been listening to the podcast. Of That's course, great. of course. Okay, now oh, I have to get you, back Mike. to where we were. So there, there's there that. Is. Now here it is. <clears throat> and this is an incident we know about, mm-hmm. right? Okay, Bill Shatner is known to millions as Captain, Captain Kirk of the popular television series Star Trek. Yet few of his fans realized that several years ago, an incident in California's Mojave Desert turned the former skeptic into a hardcore believer of UFOs. I don't know about that. I was traveling across the desert, (laughs) and my motorcycle, on my motorcycle, okay, I'll just read it like me, I can't read and be Bill, when suddenly my bike simply stopped functioning. Panic hit me as I realized the 130-degree heat would soon kill me unless I received help. Immediately, uh-huh. suddenly, an object streaked toward the nearby horizon. As this thing flew by, a voice impressed itself in my mind and told me which direction to go on foot for help. Moments later, Shatner was rescued, and Shatner acknowledges... The presence of some totally superhuman force on this planet. After all, he declares, they did save my life. Now that's before the story got really... I was going to say... <laughs> it's, it's quite different when he tells it at cons now. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say, it, it's actually very interesting to read that, given how we've heard this story <laughs> many, many, many times since then. I, I like the fact that whoever wrote this, the journalist who wrote yeah. this, manages to make that, that very tricky transition from the voice in his head told him the right way to walk to he was rescued, which I interpret as meaning he turned around, started to walk down the road, and somebody in a truck just drove up, <laughs> which has nothing to do with the UFO or anything right, like that. Right. It was just, and someone happened to drive by and rescue him. Which yes. <laughs> Probably a peach truck. Okay, I want to read the comments. Oh, good. Because they are so wonderful. The first one says, because there's no way 130-degree weather will cause you to hallucinate. <laughs> That's true. Um, I wonder if he discussed this with Leonard on an episode of In Search Of. <gasps> well, I guess it wasn't a Federation starship, as that would be a violation of the Prime Directive. God, I'm a nerd when that's the first thing I think of reading this. That is phenomenal. And I love seeing Shatner with the smoke. Roy Thinnes supposedly claimed, 
and imprints. I acknowledge the possibility that a tabloid journalist distorted his words, <laughs> that the cancellation of the invaders was really an act of suppre- suppression by the government because the show was too close oh, to the truth. <laughs> that's a good one. And I'm sure that Crazy Pike supports that notion. <laughs> Did they get the story from him at the same time the picture was taken? If so, did they think to check what the captain was smoking at the time? Good thing he wasn't flying in a plane. He might have gotten all freaked out. (laughs) And then the thing said to Shatner, Hi, thing from another world here. Big fan. Would you read my T.J. Hooker spec? (laughs) And the last one says, If he was rescued... Moments later, then he was, what, a hundred feet from help? They probably said, look left, idiot. There's a lemonade stand right next to you. Oh, yeah, next time, fill the tank. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, oh, that's so awesome. I like the idea of a lemonade stand in the middle of the desert yep. that aliens visit. <laughs> Let's wow. stop at Earth. I like their lemonade. Oh. Thank Are we you. there yet? Are we there yet? Thank you, Mike Sterling, for sending that in because that's completely awesome. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, fuck yeah. That is great. <laughs> that is great. Uh, you know, can you... Oh, did you close it already? Yeah, but um, I can get right back to it. I, I would... I think the best Shatner line in that whole story... What did he say? Panic set in or panic overcame me or something? Uh, panic hit me as I realized the 130 degree heat would soon kill me unless I received help immediately. Well, I, I get... Uh, the way I picture him saying this is kind of the, the stuff that came before it and then going, panic! Long, long, long pause. Hit. Hit me. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Just making that the longest pause. In yes. The yes. Yes. Well, the worst thing you can do in a situation like that is panic. panic. Yeah. Luckily, the aliens were alive. Well, and Captain Kirk never panics. I know, but Bill Shatner? Does he actually panic, though? See, that's the I think thing. in this situation, yes. I, I don't think Bill ever actually panics. I, I think when he gets in a bad situation, he just kind of, first of all, he's convinced that he's not going to die. I mean, he's not going to die because he's not, because he's still working. Because he's got a job. Because yeah. he's got a job. And his brain just kind of goes to whatever possibility seems like it's going to work for him no matter how crazy it is mm-hmm. like picking yourself up off the freeway when you're covered in blood and there are bones sticking out of your skin and hosing yourself off so your wife doesn't find out you know it's like but he, she's got the flu but but he never like panicked you know he didn't mm-hmm. have a panic attack he didn't sit down and and cry and and you know he didn't he wasn't frozen he he just did something yeah yeah so what would he have done if he hadn't had this hallucination of the aliens? The same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he would have looked to his left and seen the, the lemonade, lemonade stand. <laughs> okay. That's what I think. Okay. Do you think the guy running the lemonade stand had a hat pulled down to here, and if he lifted it up, there was a third Probably. Eye, like the Twilight like Zone? Like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, oh. that was wonderful. Oh, fuck yes. That was awesome. And that concludes our first episode of Oh, Fuck Yes. <laughs> now, moving along to um, just other awesome things, as, as listeners will know, um, we did Shatfest. We, oh, we did Shatfest. And it was great. It really was. We got to dance this time. I know, and I'm a pretty bad dancer. I thought we looked good. Oh, okay. Because um, when I was dancing with Will, he, he discovered what everyone who dances with me knows is that I lead. <laughs> And so we're dancing, and he goes, 
Will you let me lead? Shit, you're as bad as my wife. <laughs> well, you just wanted to make sure he was doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was great, and uh, the audience was terrific. Mm -hmm. It was so good. And um, I, I thought that the trivia stuff was very well received. Mm -hmm. It was good. And as people will, will have heard in the last show, the um, getting people to do Risk is Our Business was really fun. Yeah, and it got better from that point on when mm -hmm. the battery cut out. Right. But, you know, that's okay. But that was good to find out that that works mm -hmm. as a routine because, of course, we are starting to, to prep for... Um, the Fringe, the fringe yeah. which is in September, mm -hmm. and we have our dates, which I don't remember, but you can find them <laughs> they're at... They're on the blog. <laughs> they're actually not on the blog, I don't think, but they're at lookathisbutt.com. Oh, I think they're. I think you put them on the regular blog. Oh, okay. I know I listed them on, on our mm -hmm. Facebook page, too. So, um, yeah, we're working on some songs. Mm -hmm. um, we're reviewing the stuff we've done before so we can polish it up. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Shatfest was a blast, and I swear to you, Impulse never gets old. <laughs> Just <laughs> the finger. <laughs> the finger. Oh, it's uh, I I just it's, love that. It's, it's the perfect the, movie for that sort of thing. For crap. For yeah. crap. I mean, for for full out insane Shatner crap. Yeah, that is the best movie. And the thing is, you know, they say there are movies that are so bad they're good, and this is definitely one of them. But one of the things about those movies is usually there are dull parts mm -hmm. you have to get through. That is not true of Impulse. I, I agree. And You're, I mean, from the opening scene with that that guy, you know, playing with the samurai mm -hmm. sword and, and, and the filming from the back of the fireplace. <laughs> There are so many things about it, and, and um, what I also appreciate about that movie is that no thing is repeated. So as it goes on and build, builds toward the climax, just strange stuff keeps happening. It, it's not like the director had one thing and kept doing it over and mm -hmm. over again, which is what a lot of bad directors do, right? Because they only know how to do one thing, like right, one right. scene. This just has, it, it seemed like it was written by probably six different people. And they were all just throwing all their ideas in a hat, and the director said, we'll use all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a, a car chase through a, a, um, a car wash, and then we'll have a guy hanging, and then he'll get down, and then we'll have a chase through a funeral home, <laughs> and it turns out there's an actual funeral going on there. And then we'll have more stuff happening, and then we'll have the big scene at the end where people get drowned in fish tanks, and... Just everything, mm -hmm. everything all at once. Um, I also have to tell you, because I know you had to leave early, you had been up all night flying mm -hmm. and, and everything like this, that the audience did yell, look at his butt. Oh, that's so awesome. So. How can you not with that scene? I mean, I know white pants. Big, huge white pants. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the, the laugh. There are two, two huge laughs that, that just every single time, and both of them are cuts to Bill. Uh -huh. And one is where the mother brings him home and says, Tina, this is Matt. And, and we cut to Matt, and he's wearing that hat. <laughs> the pimp hat. The pimp hat. <laughs> my mother's hat. And <laughs> my mother's pimp hat. <laughs> and the other is, oh, Tina, how can you say he killed someone? He's over there getting us ice cream. They cut to Bill, and he's in the, the strong man outfit <laughs> with the striped pants. <laughs> and I mean, everybody just... How? Oh, so and it was fun. fun because remember we had asked the audience how many of you oh. have seen Impulse and most of them hadn't. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of Impulse virgins. Oh. I could hear laughter cherries popping all over the place. Oh, so funny. Oh, man. That's and so and funny. Will, of course, was wonderful as usual. Um, 
and uh, it, it's kind of like Thrillville now is sort of shutting down, mm -hmm. but Will has promised us he will always do a Shat Fest. Mm -hmm. if, if he, only, he said, if I only do one show a year, it will probably be Shat Fest. Mm -hmm. And he also said that you and I are part of Shat Fest forever. That's so awesome. Which is, is great because we love it so much. And, you know, I'm amazed that he'll basically let us get up there and do whatever we want to do for as long as we want to do it. You know, I, it's like I kept waiting as we were going through our things for him to be giving us the yeah. lecture. And he doesn't care. No, like, no. He's like, do it, do it, yourself. And, you know, the thing is, I think we're a great audience warm-up because of, you know, doing the Shatner warm-ups yeah. and everything yeah. and getting them all in this participatory mm -hmm. mood. It's so. good. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Oh, it was great. And the theater was very cool. Oh, it was nice. Yes, very, very nice. Yeah. So he said to us, and I will repeat this at the risk of being wrong, that um, <laughs> but risk, but is risk is our business. business. Um, that next year it should be at the Roxy in San Francisco. Right. He that's that's what he said. He thought that was very likely or was probably going to happen. Well, that will be awesome because that will be. Packed mm -hmm. because it's in the city. It's in a great location, and they always get crowds there anyway. So yep. it'll be even better. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so something to look forward to for next year. We have no dates, but Absolutely. when it happens, mm -hmm. you will hear it here. I have one um, fun thing. Oh, actually, two fun things to share. And um, this is speaking of Mike Sterling. This is from um, a guy who has a blog called Dave X Machina. Um, <laughs> And his name is Dave. Great and he's name, another Dave. He's another comic book guy, and I, I really like his blog. And he's just, he blogs about all kinds of things, but he also does what Mike often does, which is he looks through the, um, the comic book preview stuff to see what's coming out, and he talks about action figures and things like that. So he had two things about Trek, which I thought were worth repeating. One of them is um, another Star Trek communicator replica, and they just keep making them and making oh, them. Oh, yeah. And the advertisement says, open this up and hear Khan as many times as you like. And Dave's How comment was... How many times do you really want to hear that? Well, Dave's comment was, this thing better be solar-powered, because for most nerds, as many times as you like will mean forever. <laughs> <laughs> I like that! So that was really, really good. Um, so then he had um, he showed this thing, and this is a volume um, from a publisher called 20th Century Boys, and it's called Night of the Living Trekkies. Oh, I think I saw that. Did you send me that in I an might, email yeah, or something? I think I sent it to you. So yes. I'll read it to you. It's uh, from the publisher of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, good. A raging group of Trekkies gets together for the fifth annual Gulf Con, billed as the largest Starfleet convention in the western Gulf Coast region. Dressed in homemade uniforms and armed with prop phasers, they soon find themselves defending their hotel and convention center against hordes of flesh-eating undead. Suddenly, all of their useless technology about particle... Useless knowledge about particle physics and old Star Trek episodes has genuine real-world application. And while hotel employees and regular civilians are dying left and right, these Trekkies summon strength and courage by emulating their favorite starship voyaging characters. And Dave's comment on this was, really, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a good comment there. Yeah. Because, you know, you just get tired of it after a while. Um, I was tired of the whole uh, vampire zombie oh. thing even before they started doing classic literature. Oh, zombies. I'm Abraham so Lincoln, tired zombie of zombies. Hunter. And, and vampires. For me, vampires are big nothing. So, <sighs> so you know. Okay, I have one more thing. Wait, I have oh. a question while oh, we're talking sure, about comic sure. book guys. Um, the fabulous Carol Markle. Carol. <laughs> yes? I watched that drunken comedy show. Um, match game, and now I'm talking like I'm drunk, and I'm not. <laughs> the fabulous Carol Meryl, Marcus. Marcus. 
comic strip that oh, you had yes. made into a beautiful picture for me. Yes. Where she's going, yeah. oh, fuck, I slept with Jim Kirk again. When <laughs> oh, will I ever learn? Yes, yes. Oh, fuck, yes, that was good. Um, uh, <laughs> was it good for you, darling? Oh, fuck, yes. Um, was it, did we originally find out through Mike Sterling? Yes. Did you tell him that... I think so. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Uh, and if I didn't, I'm sorry, but... Uh, we should also tell him about our little contest to recaption it oh, and send good. him those entries. Oh, he would get a kick out of it. I think so. Okay, we should. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll, when I'm editing this, I'll make sure that I, I make a note to do it. Okay. Um, this is a totally off-topic but very Bill thing. Okay. And, um, well, I'll just tell you what it is. This was sent to us by our man in New Zealand, and he said, um, here's a link. You probably know about this, but I don't, and I don't think you know about it either. Ooh, well, if you don't, I definitely It's don't. a Wikipedia entry for a word, a concept, and I'll just show it to you. And that concept is Shatnez. What is Shatnez? Well, that's what I said. Okay, Shatnez is the prohibition in Jewish law derived from the Torah that prohibits the wearing of fabric containing both wool and linen. You know, there are many prohibitions against things. This is yeah. one of the, the mixing things, and it's called Shatnez. Do you think that's where his family name comes from or something? Uh, no, because I, I read something once when somebody was doing his family tree. So where does his name come from? It was uh, originally, it's something like Shatner. It's like S-H-O-E-T-T-N-E-R. Really? Yeah, wow. something like that. And they even said what it meant. But, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, Cartwright was a guy who made, yeah. made carts. And Miller was a guy who was a miller, uh -huh. you know. So it's one of, one of those things. That's very interesting. Well, I'll just tell you the etymology of this one. Um, it's Yeah. <laughs> Although the word shatnez is used in modern Hebrew to mean mixture, and I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, um, this may be a semantic change as the result of the word's use in biblical law. Um, the word is interpreted as being an acrostic of some other things, you know, because of the way Hebrew is written without the vowels. Mm -hmm. it's, you can do different things with it. Um, in the Coptic language, which is linguistically distantly related to Hebrew, so Coptic is what they spoke in Egypt after they stopped speaking classical Egyptian, um, the phrase sasht nuz, which is possibly cognate to shatnez, means false weave. Wow. Yeah. So shatnez is a, a, like a forbidden combination, like, you know, non-kosher yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, you can't mix two things. So is Shatnez the Jewish prime directive? Maybe it's one of them because there are a lot. Yeah, but then you then it's not a prime directive. It's just one of <laughs> many, one of many, many directives. The ten directives. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that that was really interesting. That it's you know one letter off. Yeah. Which is very very close linguistically. You would think that they were related somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Shatnez. I he wonder if Bill knows that word. A Bill doesn't seem to be seriously Jewish. No. And from what we know of his upbringing, it wasn't... I mean, did he even have a bar mitzvah? That's a good you question. You never hear about no, it. No, I've never heard about it. And if Bill had a bar mitzvah, you'd hear about Probably. it. Probably. There would be pictures, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. With aliens in the back doing the... <laughs> Well, anyway, I just thought it was worthy of discussion. That is. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, thanks, Greg. Mm -hmm. Always sending us those little tidbits. Yeah. Um, do you, let's take a little break. Okay. And do you want to do more stuff or you want to do I want to watch. Okay. We're going we're gonna to watch an episode now. So, we'll be back very, very soon. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. 
to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. What has Bill done for you lately? Comments to lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with Audacity and GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcast in the universe. They used to say a man could fly, he'd have wings. But he did fly. He discovered he had to. Do you wish that the first Apollo mission hadn't reached the moon, or that we hadn't gone on to Mars and then to the nearest star? That's like saying you wish that you still operated with scalpels and sewed your patients up with catgut like your great-great-great-great-grandfather used to. I'm in command. I could order this. But I'm not. Because Dr. McCoy is right in pointing out the enormous danger potential in any contact with life and intelligence as fantastically advanced as this. But I must point out that the possibilities, the potential for knowledge and advancement is equally great. Risk. Risk is our business. That's what this starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. You may descend without prejudice. Do I hear a negative vote? business it is our business <laughs> it's it's the business of, of Captain Kirk the business of Bill Shatner and the business of his butt girls okay, definitely that has to be one of the greatest Captain Kirk moments I think in all of Trek oh that whole scene yeah. that that builds to that and if you noticed we were getting like a lot of you know group shots mm-hmm. And, you know, semi-close-ups and stuff. But as we get to that speech, it moves in closer yeah. and closer. And that, and like I said, after he did it, it's not enough to listen to it. You really do have to watch it to watch the play of emotions across his mm-hmm. face. And you can see what a good actor he is, that he's always thinking. He's always in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So I just will tell people that I got that audio from a clip on YouTube because I couldn't just find it. So... Go to YouTube. I'll put the link in where you can just see that that speech because it's so good. It's so incredible. He's so good, and and all one take, you know, mm-hmm. with the camera zooming in very slowly on him because it starts with a somewhat wider shot mm-hmm. and then it gets closer and closer and closer, 
and he's acting, even though he's sitting down, he's acting with his whole body. Like mm -hmm. you can tell, even though you can't really see him below his neck, you can see that he's gesturing and yes. you know, he's got all that energy. And there's a lot of pointing lot of in pointing. this whole episode. It's a very pointed episode. It's a very pointed episode, but I just, and he does the fist banging on the table, yes, you know, you got, I must point out. Um, and I so must point bad. out, yes, it is all one take, and I think they use that take because of all the wonderful things mm -hmm. that are in it, but there's one mistake, I believe. When he says Dr. McCoy is right in pointing out the danger potential, mm -hmm. shouldn't it be the potential danger or the potential for danger? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe. I kind of think so. I'm glad they left it in. Oh, yeah. Because it was so good. It's so, so good. It's so good. And I just love... That, that he has that that whole um, complete 180 facial expression mood thing right before he does the risk is our business yes. speech. You know when he's talking about the danger, he's looking. His brow is sort of furrowed, and he's looking very seriously. And then when he thinks about the risk, his face lights up like he's just gotten a Christmas present or yep. something. He looks so delighted. It's like yes. I'm captain of the Enterprise, and that's what it's all about. Oh, yay! And well, then the, the triumphant music comes in at the end, you know. <laughs> the other thing I really like about it is there's one more switch where at the end he says, you know, um, something about, do I hear any dissenting mm -hmm. voices? And there's silence, and he starts to smile, and then he says, engineer, prepare, whatever. But in that smile, in that moment, yes, there is, okay, I'm so pleased that all of you agree with me, <laughs> and that all of you are willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. But there's also just a little hint of Snowdom again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good. I am so fucking good. <laughs> it, it really goes along with the, the, the wonderful, wonderful Echo poster that says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of how awesome I am. <laughs> he loves being awesome. Oh, uh, really well, you know, that's good because he has to spend a lot of time being awesome. So it's good he likes that. It's so funny. Um, so, Return to Tomorrow was the name of the episode. As you pointed out, and I completely agree with you, I cannot keep these titles straight, whether it's... Tomorrow uh, and yesterday, yesterday and future. And returning and, and uh, Return of the Archons. Tomorrow was yesterday. Yesterday's today's. It's tomorrow. It's a hard day's night. I don't know. It all blends <laughs> together. All blends together. Um, so, starting back from the beginning, um, we were watching the remastered one, and it had beautiful effects. The planet and the Enterprise mm -hmm. looked great. There weren't actually any effects in the episode, though. Um, well, there was the, the fiery fingers. But that looked exactly the same as I remember it looking. Right, so right. I don't so I don't think they it. did anything yeah. with that. Um, so, they decide to beam down to the planet, and very strangely, Kirk walks up to um, Anne Mulholland and says, Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and we had to pause several times during the episode to discuss how strange that was because his crew isn't that big. Yeah. And she's an officer. Yeah. And she's a hot woman. Of course. And if he hasn't done her already, he will. Yeah. So, of course, he would know who he was because they actually have gone out of their way to do that in other episodes to kind of show that he knows everybody who's on the show. Yeah. And, and, even, in the and even in the one where... Uh, there is a woman who he doesn't know. She says, I just... Oh, Marlena. Marlena, yeah. She, she says, I just came on board. That's right. And then in the episode where, um, in Space Seed, where they're about to go down, he says, get me that historian. What's her name? And he can't remember her name, but he knows that there's a woman who's a right. historian. So You know, Rabble Rouser pointed out to me that Kirk is really bad at remembering names. Because well, remember in the, the, the Mitchell episode, he keeps mixing up if it's Smith or Jones? That's right. 
Well, he clearly didn't know who she was at all, which is just yeah. shameful. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> of course, maybe she was ordered to report there from a different starship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's who Sargon wanted. Oh, uh, maybe. Now, they did say something about we chose these because they're the most compatible bodies. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah. But, again... They could have just used a couple of red shirts, should, who are so totally yes, expendable. Totally. I completely agree with you. So that was just, yeah. Yeah. You and I came up with several solutions plot, that would have solved the problem. Um, when I was doing a little research on this episode, um, I went to uh, Memory Alpha, where they have a nice summary, and then there's a discussion, a very geeky discussion, about whether their claim that they could have seeded humanity, was that true or not? Because Sargon says they were exploring the galaxy 6,000 6, centuries ago. Mm -hmm. So when would that have been on Earth? Like in what point of the development of, you know, mm -hmm. primates would that have been? And I kind of stopped paying attention after that because it was too technical for me. But it's interesting that they, you know, they returned to that idea several times, including in TNG, mm -hmm. when they sort of revealed that all of the bipedal humanoid species actually do come from the same source. So I don't know how Sargon and his buddies fit into that whole thing, whether that was a callback to this episode or whether they just ignored that. Because I haven't seen that episode in, mm -hmm. in like 20 years, so right, I, I don't right. know. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, if Sargon said, okay, it was 6,000 centuries ago, we were exploring the galaxy, that doesn't necessarily mean that's exactly when they were on Earth. Mm -hmm. They might have been exploring the galaxy for 2,000 sure. centuries. Mm -hmm. We could have been the last place they stopped. That's true. So Before it, they had to go home and destroy themselves. Um, but And then Spock sort of seems to think that they were descended from them in mm -hmm. some way. He yeah. gets that idea in his head. So whatever. Um, so... I, I noticed one thing in this that maybe I hadn't thought about much before, but because they use that weird echoey thing on the actors when they're speaking, it looked to me like they didn't loop it. It looked like they just took the audio in each scene and then put an echo on it in post-production. That's what it looked like uh, to me, too. That's what it looked too. like to me. And I think that must have made it very interesting when they were filming it because they couldn't talk over each other. Yeah. There had to be a little gap before and after everything everybody was saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe that worked in a little bit with the way they were supposed to be behaving, like a little stilted and a little stiff because they mm -hmm. hadn't been in body, so their their speech patterns weren't quite normal. Um, but that must have been a real challenge, not for anybody to step on each other's lines or anything, because it would have been hell trying to do that. Well, if you think about it, in it seems to me there isn't a lot of stepping on each other's lines in television anyway mm. because of all the sound problems that could present. So I think that's part of, of the professionalism. And if you remember, Bill has told a story where there's an episode where he and Spock fight two guys and they knock them out, mm -hmm. and then they stand there and talk for a minute or so. Right. And one of the guys they knocked out that was laying on the floor fell oh, asleep right. and started snoring. And they didn't want to do the whole thing again, so without, of course, saying anything to each other, but just sort of, you know, uh -huh. communicating. They, they each did their lines in such a way that they did them between the snores. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I had just was thinking that in some other episodes, granted, they're more action-oriented. Mm -hmm. They do in interrupt each other a lot. Yeah. And there was none of that here. You right, know, yeah. McCoy's constantly interrupting people. That's and, true, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there was none of that. I also love the fact that when they're about to beam down to the planet, they walk into the transporter room, and McCoy is bitching already. I know. It was like the first words out of his mouth. Or why wasn't they briefed on this? Well, what are we doing? We're beaming down into 112 miles of rock. What are you, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> are you joking? That's what he says. Um, 
So we loved the scene where Bill is first possessed by Sarge. <sighs> and as I said to you, and I'm glad you, you affirmed me, I don't think the director was doing anything. He just said, Bill, you're possessed. Go for it. <laughs> Keeping in mind that this guy has not had any form. Uh-huh. And so the, the whole <gasps> touching uh-huh. his face and his chest and walking stiffly and looking around. I'm in my life! <laughs> It was amazing. It was all Bill. I have to tell you something. There are, there are like, I think, two points in this um, episode where one of the aliens to demonstrate their power, you know, puts them in pain. Mm-hmm. And Kirk does this very contorted thing. Well, when I was in, a, when I was in college, I was in some sort of uh, program that, you know, it was a dance program. And you had to do it to pass the class, mm-hmm. which is the only reason anybody would ever put me on stage in a dance program. But um, at one point, when we were rehearsing, the the choreographer said um, gave us some direction mm-hmm. that she, that you know she wanted she wanted us to express um, you know like like pain or something mm-hmm. like that. I totally did the Kirk thing. And I, w- I was consciously thinking, this, uh-huh. this, is what, this is how William Shatner does pain at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was singled out as really good. There you go. Because I was doing the whole, um, uh, you know, where one's going against the other, uh-huh. you're not moving in the way you're normally going to move. I was the best. That's great. From Bill. That would be a great thing to tell him. Yeah. He would appreciate that. You know what I was doing? I was shacting. <laughs> And you shafted the hell out of that. I did. I shafted the hell out of it. That's awesome. Yeah, you were supposed to express conflict. That was it. But internally within yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Good Kirk Beck. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. (sighs) Saw it at 6 o'clock every night. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, You pointed out that when they're on the planet uh, and they're looking at the globes that are there, it was definitely Futurama heads in jars. Yes. And I completely agree with that yes. statement. We also have to talk about the set. Oh, the set, the beautiful underground cavern, which was made out of um, plastic garbage bags. Right, right. Hefty sacks. Hefty sacks that were like spray glued to the walls. Yes, and, and we decided that if Look at His Butt ever gets to the point where we do a show with a real set and everything, mm. that's what we want. I like it because it's simple, it's easy to put up, it takes five minutes. You know, and it's crappy. And it looks crappy. Especially if we do it. Yeah, with a little bit of good lighting, it yeah. would look just like a Star Trek set. Yeah. Yeah. I read online that um, the globe that they used for Sargon uh-huh. uh, was later reused as the Romulan cloaking device. Oh, yeah. They See, they, they did that oh, stuff all And various the time. other things were reused in other episodes, oh, too, yeah. but that was the big one. And in fact, that article that you and I both read that was about um, how great William Shatner is in Star Trek has a picture of him holding the, the globe. Right. In fact, I might even. You know, I was thinking about that article as it was doing its close ups for Risk is Our Business. Uh-huh. And yes, how much of the the I, emotional content of the of all these episodes come down to shacting? Shacting. I thought I had it open, but I don't anymore. Oh, oh that's well. okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, this is such a good episode for Bill in so many ways. Mm-hmm. They just let him go to town. And um, what's her name? I can't think of the actress's name. Anne Mohall. Mm-hmm. Is really good in She's this. Great. I I never cared for her as Doctor Pulaski on TNG, and I wasn't that fond of her as Miranda Jones mm-hmm. in A Rose by Any Other Name, but she's wonderful in this. She has a nice arc of um, 
falling into the evilness mm -hmm. and, and really getting obsessed with it fairly quickly in the timeline and then sort of coming out of it at the end. And uh, as opposed to like the Helen Noel episode, which, as you know, I adore, she and Kirk have a totally professional relationship and there is no hint of sexual buzz mm -hmm. between them except when they are those mm -hmm. two, yep. which uh, I think also paints her as being like a step above all the other women who are counting the days since they last got <laughs> fucked by Jim. You know, even mm -hmm. if they're, they're lawyers, doctors, whatever, you know, these the high-placed professional mm -hmm. women, they're still like, oh, is he coming back? Mm -hmm. You know, and she's just like, I'm doing my job, and you don't know who I am, and really? fuck you and the horse he rode in on, such you know? a con It's such a contrast, right, those two episodes when he sees her, he says, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and when he sees Helen Noel, <laughs> that oh, like... shit moment, <laughs> huge know. oh, shit moment. <laughs> Which I believe you and I have analyzed yeah. to death. Because it's so good. There's it just so is. much in that because he looks at her and it's got the ocean and she's, and she's looking like, at him like, ah, 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 it, you know it. Oh shit, right, right, right. <laughs> um, let's see, several other things in my notes here. Uh, we noticed, and I never noticed this before, that there was a whole rack of old magazines. <laughs> in Seriously, there That are. was so cool. <laughs> For them to read, I guess. I guess. They feeling well, but yeah, there were old Saturday Evening Posts. There. <laughs> and, and and L and L and and Women's know, Fitness. The Week. And yeah. <laughs> the Nation. Anyway, that was hilarious. Um, for some reason, in the second half of this episode, Bill had a really bad toupee. It wasn't so bad in the first half. No. And then somehow they switched it, and it looked bad. You yeah. can really see in the front. But he was looking very good. This could not he have did. been mid-season. No, I think it was late second season. Yeah, because he's, he's looking good. And, yeah, and so trim. His body is in. Yeah. I am very pleased with this body. <laughs> yeah, so are we. And his butt looked great. Oh, my God. Yeah. That last time when... Uh, What's his name? Transfers into mm -hmm. Captain Cook. Bridge, yeah. What's his name? Sargon. Sargon. Tra isn't that a dishwashing <laughs> no, product? No, Calgon. <laughs> There's something called Sarno or something. Anyway, um, the, it's shot from the back yeah, for Bill. Yeah. And you see his butt cheeks <laughs> tighten. And, and it's like, oh, my God, that's how Sargon gets in is yeah. through the butt. Through his clenched, clenched butt cheeks. That's right. <sighs> um, let's see. We both observed that um, while Sargon and Thalesa are working really hard, Hannock is just kind of swanning around with a big <laughs> coffee cup like Wally, right? Yeah. He doesn't do anything. No, no. He had one job to do, and he did it badly. Yeah. Because he killed Sargon. Yeah. <laughs> he thought. So that was weird. Um, there was another character who showed up. Um, Dr. McCoy had another nurse assistant. Um, who you identified as the ship's candy striper. That's right. Um, she looked competent but didn't get to do very much. No speaking role. But, no. But she no. was black, which was kind of nice. Yeah, and she got to, you know, stare at the the thing, the readings and go, oh, he's dead. He's yeah. really dead. Um, you know, they, they kind of threw this away. I'm pointing at the TV. Um, so Kirk's body is dead. But yet they keep him alive. And McCoy just says something like, yeah, we could keep him alive for a couple of weeks. We can do that now. Really? Well, hell, we pro practically do that now. I know, but in other episodes, they've never done that, and he's never said that. And yeah. it seems like when somebody's dead, they're really, really dead. Well, maybe the, the difference was we could keep him alive for a couple of weeks. We could keep anybody alive for yeah. a couple of weeks, but 
you know, if if they're dead, their spirit, their mind, their energy, whatever, is gone. So you're just keeping a body functioning to a certain extent. But maybe their idea or his idea was Jim's consciousness mm-hmm. is still in that thing. Mm-hmm. If we can figure out a way to to put it back in the body, mm-hmm. that's what I, I yeah I knew it was just it was strange. Yeah, yeah he was in the magic eight ball. Um, I loved I loved the part where. Um, Chapel reveals that Spock was hiding in her body. That was so funny. <laughs> just, you, you had it so nailed when you said, and I'm, now I'm going to go write about this in my Hello Kitty diary. <laughs> we shared consciousness <laughs> together. <laughs> oh, Now we're going to get married. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's my boyfriend now. You know, I wrote a story once in my sort of valley girl character. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of the story, but Kirk and Spock on this double date with... Shatner, or with um, Uhura and Chapel, and the funny, <laughs> and it's a valley girl story, but Kirk and Spock are, are doing mind exchanges oh. through their link, you know, about what they're totally yeah. doing to their women, and, everything. and the thing is, Chapel <laughs> interprets anything as being engaged, so like, he bought me popcorn, we're engaged. <laughs> That's the way she- that's the way she acted this episode. Oh She's my got God. that look on her face. From like, the oh. minute Hannah wakes up and goes, well, hello, and she kind of like, She does. Oh. She's like fussing with the hair at the back of her neck. Oh, thank you, sir. We're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. She's, oh. She deserves everything bad that's ever been said about her for that oh, episode. God. Poor Majel. I, mean, I know. Majel's such a good character actress, and they keep making her play this oh jeez awful something else i really enjoyed in this episode can robot lips do this <laughs> that was some kiss so now we have a new expression robot lips robot lips fuck yes and robot lips robot lips can robot lips do this oh so i wanted to know um why they didn't just go to the harry mud planet and steal one of those androids or, or temporarily or ask one of the androids to build them a body which they were going to do for ahura yeah. but then that kind of occurred to, to me when we were sort of talking about it during the show or while we were watching it was um you know the whole thing was that these are real bodies where you felt you know physically mm-hmm. had those those senses it wasn't just sensors Right, sending info into a, a yeah, master computer, and so I, I wonder how organic now the android bodies are. Because you, you know, I was saying, could they actually feel? And mm-hmm. you said, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking, they, again, they might have had sensors, but not the actual sensation mm-hmm. of of touch. They would be aware they're touching someone, mm-hmm. or they could have sensors that you know told them someone is approaching. Although they may not actually be hearing it. That could be, you know, you know? I, they, they, not being a, a TNG geek, I don't know what data was supposed to be mm-hmm. or, or perceive or what was happening for him, like whether he was perceiving physical things the way people were right. or whether it was just some other model that we don't know. I don't know. Right. And I don't think they ever really explained it, or maybe they didn't. I wasn't paying attention, so maybe someone can enlighten us about that. But, you know, with the, the Harry Mudd androids, they sure seemed like they were building androids that were pretty darn close to what a human body would be like. And, in fact, that's what they offered to Ahura. Right. I mean, you know, it wasn't like, and now you're going to be a robot and you won't be able to experience anything anymore. It was basically saying, now you'll be in a body that's exactly like the one you're going to, you have now, but it, you'll never get old. So, I, I don't know. I think they, they should have done that. I still think um, the other option that we talked about mm-hmm. was a body donor. Yeah. 
you know, it, stay in your spheres for a little while longer, and we'll put the word out. And just as there are people nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. who are willing to be organ donors once they die, mm -hmm. they harvest those organs really fast. I'm sure they were, you know, I, I bet you could be like a full-body donor, even if the idea is, okay, they're going to break you up and send one kid sure. to this guy, one kid. So you've got a bunch of people who are already signed to be full-body donors. One of them dies. You go, here, Sargon. Take that one. Take that one. Yeah. I also have to really wonder about, okay, first of all, that, the, you know, that energy when it was in them, they're saying their heartbeat's too mm -hmm. high and their temperature's too high, and, but they, those bodies would get used to it. I don't think so. I don't think so either. That just It's kind of like your body gets used to being diabetic and eventually just considers that normal blood sugar or something. Like, that's, no. That's bullshit. That. So they would burn through those bodies really fast. Yeah. And, you know... Okay, so those were human bodies, and obviously Henna can live in Spock's body a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Presumably somewhere in the galaxy, there's some other humanoid type that's a better match that maybe already has a really high metabolism mm -hmm. that would just be better for them. So, you know, like the, the concept that they have to stick with either Kirk or, or Mulhall or Spock is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing I question is... I don't know. Okay, yeah, maybe the 600,000 centuries ago, we are all descended from one of those. But we have certainly evolved in, in many ways. How capable would a human body be of hosting that from the aspect of, look, we have all these powers, pain. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. They, they don't explain that. Or why she couldn't do that when she was in her sphere. Because she couldn't even talk when she was in her sphere, right? Yeah. And neither could Hennock, and he seems to be more powerful. Yeah. And then there's that little mystical bit at the end with Sargon saying, oh, I have powers that Hennock doesn't even know about. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> but I do like there, there is a really strong sort of moral message in this, mm -hmm. which is that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because the realization there is not so much... We can't steal bodies, which I think they knew was wrong from mm -hmm. the get-go. But with all our power, we cannot risk being in, mm -hmm. in, in, in physical bodies mm -hmm. because the temptation is too strong. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. And so they decided to just exist as energy. Yeah, I think so. I wonder if they met up with the Q continuum somewhere. Who would win in a fight? <laughs> Green Hornet or <laughs> Spider-Man? Or, or with the, the Metrons or any of those yeah, other super, or the super hours. The Organians would have been pissed. Yeah. You don't want to fuck with Nothing them. happens that the Organians don't know about. Mm -hmm. I know. They're kind of the, um, the hall monitors of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they? Yeah. And, 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 and Chapel is that really stupid cheerleader on Glee who I just <laughs> love. She had a great line a couple weeks ago. I think my cat is reading my diary. <laughs> Knowing cats, I wouldn't put it past I them. wouldn't put it past them. I have to make the observation that I made before we started recording, which is that, that kiss at the end between oh, so good. Thalesa and mm -hmm. Sargon. It's, it's a beautiful kiss. It's a real Shatner kiss. Mm -hmm. It's totally wonderful. And I have always thought that, you know, the lights change, and that is when Sargon and Thalesa mm -hmm. vacate the bodies. So Kirk and Mulhall are still kissing. Mm -hmm. And I know the whole point of doing that was so we could have this moment of embarrassment of, oh, gosh, mm -hmm. I'm kissing you here on the bridge, and I still don't know your name, mm -hmm. and I've got a heart on. But 
that whole idea of in mid-kiss, mm -hmm. that that's your last physical sensation before you just go off to the energy. I've always thought that was one of the most romantic mm -hmm. things in all of Trek. It was wonderful. It was really, really wonderful. It's, it's, it, it is. It's, and, and it's very touching. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. For what is, you know, basically a, a body snatcher story mm -hmm. or something, um, it, this is a very touching episode, and I think most of that comes from Thalesa, mm -hmm. because uh, Sargon is being, you know, in charge. I mean, he has some moments with her and stuff, and Hanok's being evil. But her, you really see her as a real woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I really like about this is that they didn't play it as a love triangle. No, that if, was so yeah, good. Yeah, if Hanok's motivation had been just to get the girl, that would have been stupid. Yes. His motivation was just... I've been locked in this sphere for half a million years, and now I want to take over the galaxy. Yeah. And I will. Yeah. And that was great. It's I mean, time to rock and roll. And he's, uh, his character, despite Leonard Nimoy's sort of weird playing of the physical stuff a little bit with the head jerky motions, but he's, he's so refreshingly evil uh -huh. right from the get-go, right? In a, in a very pleased with himself yeah. in a pleasant sort of way. He doesn't have to stroke a cat and go, ha, 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 Exactly. You know. He's just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm going to make it happen, and he's completely unrepentant about it. Yeah. So that's, it's nice to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Plus, he gets to say, can robot lips do this? <laughs> or no, she says she that. She says that. She says that, but, but, but he, he gives her the he idea. He kind of like holds her hand. You know, scene. and that is a great scene between yeah. the two of them where he's trying to talk her into it. And she's saying, no, it's wrong, but... Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to try very hard. No, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. You can see the appeal. Mm -hmm. And he, he instinctively, intuitively, whatever, is just playing on that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, um, in, a, in a very meta way, it tells you that when the three of them were, were alive, that they had history... And they knew each other, and they mm -hmm. knew what each other's strengths and weaknesses were. And when he wakes up again, you can sort of see him, all that clicking into place for him. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, okay, what I remember of these people, where can I find their weak spot? Right, and, and he, he, was, he was their enemy. They, right. He says, you know, we, we tried to keep both sides alive, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and Henneck was from the other side. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So that, that was good. It was good that they had that there. You know, he was, he was clearly the enemy, but they, they knew each other. Mm -hmm. So that was that was good. Yep. So that was a great episode. It truly was, and I'm I'm really glad we watched it. Yeah. And probably the next time we watch an episode, it's going to have to be one of the real crap ones. You think so? Because well, you know, listening to the interviews we did. That's true. They like the crap ones. And don't Chad they? especially said, "I would like you to dig into one of the real shit episodes from <gasps> the third season." And I'm thinking that we do get some of our best material out, this is true. out of the crap. This is true. You know? All right. Well, we're going to have to look at third season and see. I mean, we might be reduced to doing um, Omega Glory, which is We awful. did that once. Did we? Yes, because I remember talking about it's fight, 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 talk, 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 fight, 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 <laughs> I talk, I don't even talk, remember talk. that. See, There's tons I've of fights. I blocked it out of my mind completely. I don't blame you. Okay, well, there's a lot of good pickings in the third season. Well, yeah, there's, you know, there's crap in, in every season, so... We won't do Spock's brain. That's no, that's the obvious. We choice. did the space hippies already. We don't need to do that again. Yeah. Did we actually do the space hippies? Uh, I think we, we talk did. about how much we hate them. I think we did. Okay. I think we talked about. Let's some say of we the, did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> we actually talked about some of the plot stuff in that episode, which plot. made yeah, which made no sense whatsoever. Okay. 
So, all right, well, we'll have to review. And yes. We'll find something. Okay, let's take a little break, and then we have just a bit more stuff with which to wrap this up. Oh, okay. One more thing to talk about, um, because we need to stay on top of all news about Bill, which is really hard to do. Um, <laughs> it could be a full-time job. It could be a full-time job. Um, this is just about shit my dad says, because this was posted and I blogged it and I just wanted to mention it to people. Um, there is a video on YouTube of Bill reading some of the tweets from shit my dad says and congratulating winners at the Shorty Awards. And um, hearing him actually read these things is really, really funny. Mm -hmm. I think that they should just have Bill read a whole bunch of them and put that out as like an, a special audio podcast yes. on iTunes. That would be so awesome. It would. I would pay for that. I really would. Well, when they release the first season DVD, maybe that'll be one of the extras. Oh, that would be awesome. It's so cool to hear him reading these. Even though, of course, he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't really understand Twitter, doesn't get what a tweet is, and, nope. and he doesn't call them tweets, he calls them Twitters. And then he pauses <laughs> and he goes, Twitter, what an odd word that is. Yes, <laughs> but they just put something in front of him and, and he, he reads he it. He reads it with his usual Shatner 110% go yep. for it thing. And, you know, I usually don't read comments on YouTube because they're so fucking stupid, <laughs> but um, it's great. There's a whole bunch of comments here and... There's, things are like, man, I love this guy. Heck, heck watching you read is entertaining. Um, oh, my God, yes. Bill Shat for the win. <laughs> Can't wait for this to start. I heart William Shatner. Shatner is the definition of cool. He hangs and collaborates with cool people, and his new show, Raw Nerve, is great. Bill, I love you. And someone else says, you got to love Bill. You know, everything that he uh... does, it's just all, like, Bill is so fucking awesome. And people... Love him. Um, I have to tell you, while we're on the subject of Twitter, and I wish I'd brought this with me, but in uh, this week's Time magazine, there is a very interesting article on Twitter mm -hmm. as a literary form. Oh, uh -huh. And it talks about, okay, now there's going to be this sitcom, and it's going to star William Shatner, but it's not about Shatner. It is about um, <clears throat> how good Twitter is for satire mm -hmm. and how fast. And there is a, a fake Twitter feed for BP Petroleum. Yes, it's BP Global PR, which is awesome. Uh, yes, and, it, and they were giving quotes from that, and they were giving quotes from fake this and fake that. But then they also started talking about specifically shit my dad says. And they're saying, if you read the very first one, it is 140 characters that should be taught in literature classes. Because <laughs> it's something like... Now I'm going to have to find it. Uh, well, it's something like... I'm 72 years old. I, I want eggs. I don't want granola. Don't make your breakfast and tell me you're making my breakfast. And they're saying, it's the, it tells you everything you need to know. He's 72 years old. Uh -huh. He has a great bullshit detector. He's talking to someone obviously younger than him, probably his son. And it's, it, it's just a very interesting article about how people you know, were saying, well, this will be the death of communication. But it's just a very small form. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I recommend to people to go read that Time Magazine article. It is quite interesting. And also the, the quotes, the things they quote from these various fake mm -hmm. feeds are um, very funny. I also have to point out, do you remember fake Steve Jobs? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you know, he wrote a book. And, yeah, yeah. And it was very funny, and I read it, and I left it at my sister's, who is not Silicon Valley mm -hmm. technical or anything. She thought it was the funniest thing she ever read. They're making a movie of it. Really? Yes. Wow, that's very interesting. Here is the first tweet on okay. Chicken Desert. It says, I didn't live to be 73 years old so I could eat kale. Don't fix me your breakfast and pretend you're fixing mine. That's brilliant. It <laughs> is. It absolutely is. <laughs> And the, the fake BP ones, I wish I could remember some of them because, oh, my God, they were so funny. It's great. All of the things that are in here, I mean, it's questionable whether these are verbatim. You know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But he's gotten them down to 140 characters that really express it. Like, why would I want to check a voicemail on my cell phone? People want to talk to me, call again. If I want to talk to you, I'll answer. Yep. It is great. Um, I know that there are a lot of comedy writers on Twitter who view it exactly as that, as a writing exercise, mm -hmm. where they're honing their jokes into 140 characters to get the maximum impact out of them. And sometimes yeah. it's just switching a word. And I've done that, too, sometimes. I mean, I spend most of my time retweeting things that Bill says <laughs> or what other people say. But once in a while, when I want to say something, and I did this the other day, and I actually thought for about 10 minutes about how to say this, I had a... Um, I bought a strawberry plant, which okay. I had in a little pot, and then I planted it in a, a bigger pot outside, and I left it, put it, it looked so happy, I came back from work, some animal had dug it out and, like, <laughs> thrown pieces of it all over my deck. I was pissed off. Yeah! So, my tweet was, to the animal that destroyed my new strawberry plant, if I catch you, I will kill you and eat you with strawberry jam. <laughs> about all mm -hmm. the words that went into it to make sure it would fit and how did how would I say um, you know did I, do I say my newly planted strawberry plant no I don't want to use the word plant twice so I yeah. just had to kind of massage it and then the strawberry jam part just kind of occurred to me at the end and I put it in all caps that's perfect yeah so it, it is a real literary form well you know I I don't know why I feel this way but there is a joke Lily Tomlin told um, 30 some years ago and I still think structurally and idea-wise, it is one of the perfect jokes. And it's about as short as a Twitter. And it was, I went to the store and bought a wastebasket. They put it in a bag for me to take it home. When I got home, I put the bag in the wastebasket. And that's it. It's just, it's, it's one of those great, you know, sort of irony mm -hmm. things that yep. just, and I don't tell it well, I'm not Lily Tomlin, but told by Lily Tomlin, you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I love reading Twitter for comments like that. Or I like when you send me Twitter. I don't follow anybody. Because <laughs> when I hear about things, they're going, oh, fake BP is so funny, mm -hmm. and shit my dad says is so funny, and this and this. I'm going, I can't follow all those. Lena will send me the highlights. Oh, well, like Will Wheaton and talking to his dog, <laughs> yes. which are hilariously funny. I just love that. Which, again, I mean, I know he spends a lot of time on his tweets, and he has sort of this thing for doing these imaginary conversations, but he does it with inanimate objects as mm -hmm. well as his dog, and he's really good at it. It's like a thing that he has spent a lot of time working on. Um, and then I love it when people are really, really topical in a way that a joke like that will only be funny for about 30 seconds, and Twitter is the best place to do it. Mm -hmm. And after the, I mean, I don't watch Lost, and 
the day after the finale was on, several people were tweeting things like, you know, I haven't watched Lost since first season. Can someone catch me up? <laughs> Which was great. And, really? You know, that's funny for about a week. And yeah. And it's not funny anymore. But right. it was so perfectly timed and built on so much hysteria, especially that was on Twitter because people were live tweeting the finale and right, stuff like right. that. I just thought, like, that's brilliant. That's really brilliant. Well, and, and this is another thing the article was pointing out is part of Twitter's appeal is it is so immediate. Yeah. You know, if something happens, it takes you almost no time to set up a, a Twitter stream called Fake Steve Jobs mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, and start doing it. I mean, the minute you hear about it on the news, you can go, hey, I've got an idea, and, and off you go. And like you say, it's very topical, it's very immediate. People may not want to go back and read it a year from now, but I swear, 100 years from now, when some scholar is researching the reactions and everything and the ramifications of this oil spill, mm-hmm. they're going to look at that stuff. Totally. They totally are, and I because that that really right now is the 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 popular forum, the democratic voice, or you know, the voice of the people. It's it's not what BP or the president or any of them are saying. It's you know, it's the people who are experiencing it, the people who are commenting on it, the yeah. people who have feelings about it. Exactly, and it's it's completely. Um, I mean, it, it's the, the great thing and the horrible thing is that it's completely unbounded. There are no rules. People can say anything they want to. In 140 characters. In 140 characters. So you, you get a lot of crap, but you also get a lot of gold. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's where kind of the fun of Twitter is, is finding the gold. And it's, you know, following people who follow other people and getting recommendations and, and like that. And most of the people that I follow now are because I followed someone else who recommended them or mm-hmm. who followed them. And then I was like, oh, this is great. I love it. Um, and I love following Bill just because... He's Bill. He's Bill, but because he does post some amazing things, and then it gives me an opportunity to comment on things, like when he posted a picture of himself competing. I was in a horse show, and uh-huh. he wrote, Competing today, doing my best. And then he signed it, My Best Bill, of course. <laughs> so that really, really made me laugh, and my retweet had the comment on it, Bill always gives 110%. That's right. Because he does. But I love it. But that. he gave his best twice in one tweet. Competing today, doing my best. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's Bill. When does Bill not do his best? <sighs> well, that's the other thing. Something he tweeted and it was also in the news is that Bill was just going to, and I love, he, he likes to, to use musician terms, you know, now that he knows one or two. He was going to lay down some tracks. Yes. <laughs> and he was recording uh Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Oh my God! <laughs> and that that possibly could be something for a new album. And so, Bill Peeps, somebody tell him that the perfect song for him to do a cover of mm. is Sondheim's "Pretty Women." Mm-hmm. Someone's no get one could do that justice like he can. That would be awesome. Oh. Oh. You Fuck know, yes. it's so, it's so funny. Um, I would never have thought that he could do such a kick-ass version of Common People. Yes, that was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. So I am looking forward to seeing what sort of thing he can take and make it his, and and do that unexpected thing of making just an amazing song out of a, gr- a great song, but then mm-hmm. him taking it and making it amazing. I wonder who's producing this. He could have his pick. It could be I know. Anyone. I know. It could be anybody. Well, Ben Folds, you know, has said he, he loves working with Bill, and if all artists were as easy to work with as Bill in a recording studio, he would just give up performing and be a producer. 
Can always do another take. Can always. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up for now. I think so. That was fantastic. So, um, somebody please tell Bill to record that song. Yes. That'd be really good. And I will send, personally send him a thank you note, and I will sign it, My Best Kitty. Yeah. Um, and keep sending us stuff via email, because we'd love to get it. And thank you, Mike Sterling, for everything. Because <laughs> I somehow think we've neglected to say thank you for some things. <laughs> and um, we'll be back next time. Yay! Yay! Fuck yeah! <laughs>